Have you ever missed someone so badly that you ached? Have you ever missed someone like that? So badly that you just you had an ache deep inside of you. Something that just you, you just couldn't ignore. Uh, I know when, when Christine is away from me, I, I get a little crazy. Uh, I, I start pacing around the house, you know, and I, and, I, and I start, like, making fun of my children, you know, and I start bugging them. And, it, and it's like this, this. This comes over me. It goes, ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's only darkness when she's away. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And she's always gone too long. Now, she may only be gone for a couple of hours. And I just, I, I just, I, I can't take it. You know, I just, I, I want her back. And I start going around the house saying, where's my woman? You know, and my kids make fun of me. And, but it's like when she comes home, I'm all cool. Like, hey, babe, how are you? How was your day? You know, trying to be real cool. And the kids rat me out and say, no, dad was crazy. And he was yelling all these things and making fun of us. And, uh, but it's strange what missing someone does to us, right? Uh, so I wonder this morning, what do you do? And this is, I want answers if you can. What do you do when you miss someone? What are the things you do when you miss someone? Anybody? Cry? Uh, well, pray. Well, cry. Yeah, okay. Well, cry would be one. Cry would be a good thing. Think about them. What else might you do? No, this is not a trick question. Believe me. Contact them. Right? You might send a letter. You might email them. You might make a phone call. You might actually go what? And go and visit them. The, the common thread there is that we reach out when we miss someone. Usually, when we miss someone, we reach out in some way and some function. We do something in order to reconnect with someone that we miss. Last week, when Mike Haas introduced our new sermon series on the Holy Spirit... He said a very profound statement, something that really, really had profound effects on me. It made me think all week long, and actually was, was disturbing me last night as I was trying to sleep. It was, it was this statement he made. It's not that the trouble with the church is not that it's missing something, but rather that it's missing someone. And really what he was referring to was the Holy Spirit. Because in our country, in church, little seed churches around the country, the Holy Spirit is almost like a forgotten God. He's almost kind of like, well, we believe the Holy Spirit exists, but we like to keep him over here because we're afraid what happens if you let him out of this room. What, what if we really allow the Holy Spirit to do what he, what he promises to do? What will happen? We might lose control. There seems to be something like putting God, that part of God's nature, that part of his identity, away from us. He seems forgotten. He seems a little bit mysterious. And I think this whole series that we're getting into is just, let's take some fundamental looks at the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's step back for us. Most of us have walked with God for a very long time. Most of us have experienced the Holy Spirit on, on some particular part of our life. But I want to ask you a very deep and profound question. And this one you don't have to raise your hand and answer. But I had this question this morning because it was a question that, 
that struck me after that statement that Mike had. And I was thinking, when was the last time in my life that I experienced such a supernatural movement of the Holy Spirit on me and something happened that left the people that were around me noticing me wondering what just happened and was unmistakably, they had to understand that it was God that did it. That it wasn't my abilities, it wasn't my talent, it wasn't my great skill sets, it wasn't anything about me, that, but something so supernaturally powerfully happened, an expression of the Holy Spirit happened, and people around me said, wow, we don't even know God, but we understand that was God, what just happened. When was the last time that maybe you could think of that happening in your life? I will be full disclosure here, I couldn't remember a time. And it was so powerful, so evident that it was God that people didn't notice me anymore. There's been some wonderful expressions of the Holy Spirit, but I think I've gotten too much credit for some of it in some places I've been recently. Not that I meant to take the credit, not that I wanted to take the credit, but, but there was something that so supernaturally happened but people looked at my skill set, looked at what, how good of a speaker I am or, or whatever. Your opinion might change about that today. I don't know. But, I mean, you know, people have come up to me after, after some seminars and after some meetings and said, you know, that really moved me. That really touched me. You know, and, and I say, well, to God, all, you know, he, he deserves all the glory. But they noticed me. So it made me think. So I was wrestling with the Holy Spirit all night last night. I'm telling you, it was, he was really bugging me. It was really great. But, I mean, he kept on waking me up. And you know what I did last night? A lot of, I, I repented a lot last night to the Holy Spirit, saying, you know what? I have almost forgotten who you are. And I'm a card-carrying charismatic. You know, I speak in tongues. That might change. But I want to I explore who the Holy Spirit is a little deeper. And I hope that this series will explain his nature, who he is, a little bit farther to us, so that he's no longer, if there's a part of, in us that we've forgotten who he was, let's rediscover who he is, because there's so much that we can experience and know about him, and it'll just so much freedom. But let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be in your presence. Thank you for inviting us into your presence. Lord, I love you. We love you. We adore you. You are righteous. You are holy. You are pure. And you are a good, good Father. And we thank you, Jesus, for coming and saving us and redeeming us. And Holy Spirit, we say thank you for being with us and leading us into all truth. So God, we ask this morning that you would empty me of me. That you completely remove Jay out of the picture and that you would speak only your words, only your your knowledge, only what you would want us to understand about who you are today. Because we need you. We need your words of life. And we ask that you would speak them this morning and that we would be in a place to receive them, believe them, and obey them. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you go to John's chapter 17, uh, 16, sorry, 16. Let's start in verse uh, 4. 
But I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I, I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, going to the Father. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judge. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he, hear, he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I, excuse me, I say that he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. I love this bold statement of Jesus. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. Which I'm sure the disciples freaked out about. And I think, if we, if, if we had a decision to make this morning, if, if Jesus said, look, you have this choice. I'll stay with you physically. Or I can send you someone that will live inside of you. How many of us probably would choose to have Jesus Christ physically with us? Probably everybody. But think of this. If Jesus was, and he would hang out with me more, just because I'm cool. (laughs) But let's say Jesus hung out with me more. You wouldn't physically get Jesus to if he was hanging, spending all his time with me. So Jesus said, you know what, I know, I know it this really, really hurts you that I am telling you that I'm leaving you. But I'm not really leaving you. I am sending you the helper. That The Greek word means someone who is sent to walk alongside of you. It also talks about being an advocate, a legal counsel. But I love this part. The Greek also means someone that speaks up for you. Wow. Someone that speaks up for you. I'm telling you, there are times in my life where I have run out of words to say and I wish there was somebody that would speak up for me. Someone that would stand before anybody that was accusing me or harassing me or troubling me and that person would step in front of me and say, I've got this. Speak up. That's what that word means. It acts like a legal counsel, giving us advice, but also standing in front of the accuser, speaking up for us. That is what the Holy Spirit does. One of the things the Holy Spirit thinks the Holy Spirit does. Now, we call the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. He's known as many, many names. He's called the Spirit of Truth. He's called the Spirit of Christ. He's called the Spirit of Love. Dozens of things he's called in the, throughout the scriptures, Old and New Testament. The Spirit of God, lots and lots of things. 
But you know what? The Holy Ghost is really not His name. His name is God. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is really one of His functions. One of the things that, one of the ways that God expresses His His nature to us. And I love this about God. God is so. Our relationship with Him is so complex and so. You can't find enough words for it. That he chooses to express himself as God the Father. He chooses to express himself as God the Son. And then he also chooses to express himself as God the Holy Spirit. I love about this, that there's this, this complexity to this relationship that we share with God. That we're invited into this Godhead. This Trinity that God chooses to express himself. So, you know, this whole idea that, that the Holy Spirit is a force, some kind of spiritual jump start that we get when we, when we pray, I think does a disservice to the Holy Spirit. He's a person, and he's equal with every, in every way with God the Father, God the Son. So this, um, Matthew 28, 18-19 says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in what? The name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So, God's, God is, the Holy Spirit is God. And so, here's the thing. If I asked you another question, how would you describe my personality? You could, you could shout out anything you like. How would you describe those who know me very well? How would you describe my personality? Funny, goofy. Sense of humor. My daughter loves me. She said kind. <laughs> Compassionate. Boy, I love this praise. Keep on going. No, no, no. My point is saying that is that, you know, all of us have a personality that, that we use to identify someone. You all have a mental picture of who I am because of my personality. A personality is God-given. This is what's wonderful about it. A personality does one or two things. So it either attracts you to that person or it repels you from that person. Right? There are people with personalities we just don't mess with. We just don't get. We just don't uh, fit with. So a personality is unique, is individual. And guess where we got our personality from? From God. We are made in the image of God. So therefore, God has given us a personality. Therefore, if we're made in the image of God and we have a personality, guess who else has a personality? And he expresses himself through these things. Now, a person, the way human beings de- describe personhood is a person has to have intellect, he has to have will, and he has to have emotion and be able to express themselves in all three areas. Intellect, will, and emotions. I have at least two out of the three, so I'm pretty good. Okay. Um, you can guess what two out of the three I have. And we can go from there. So I think the third person of the Trinity has quite a personality. And I want to just talk about those three things. The Holy Spirit has a mind. Romans 8.27 says this, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now the Greek word here for mind implies thinking with a purpose, reasoning with a purpose. 
And the, the uh, word, Greek word for intercede actually means to go and meet with someone and have a conversation with them. But that conversation is to plead the case for the person that you're going to talk about. It's a beautiful, wonderful word picture there. That the Holy Spirit, God comes, who searches in the heart, he checks on the mind of the Spirit, because the mind of the Spirit is, is talking to God, having a conversation with God, talking about what we need. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. I love that. Simple word picture. He has in mind. Romans 8.26 says, And the Holy Spirit keeps us, helps us in our weakness. For example, we do not know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. I love this because this says that the spiritful is mindful of what we don't know about ourselves, so he helps us find a way to express our deepest emotions. About 15 years ago, now, many of you guys know my story of, of, of my, and my journey out of, of the years of abuse. And, and for uh, a great season, I walked in so much healing and so much freedom that it was almost a second thought. I, I almost didn't even think about the years of abuse. It was just like a distant memory. And it was one night, Christy and I were going to bed. It was just an ordinary day, nothing traumatic or drama-filled day. It was just an ordinary day. And I went to go lay down. And before I went to lay down, I actually hit the floor and fell into almost like a fetal position. And I just started groaning. Just started groaning. And the only words I can remember actually saying, verbalizing was, I hurt, I hurt, I hurt. And I went on for about an hour and a half like this. Totally freaked Christine out. But I mean, it was, but she started to pray for me and interceding for me. But the whole thing was, after I came out of that hour and a half of groaning, not understanding half the things that were going on, I realized that it was a moment of healing for me. There was something that, that, was, that was still hidden deep inside, something that needed, it was, it was, the Holy Spirit chose that moment for those, for those groanings to come out, for those, that deep hurt to come out. And I'm telling you, it was one of the freest moments I've ever felt in my life after that hour and a half. And the Holy Spirit does this. He knows the groanings that, that we can't express, and He helps us find a way through His intelligence, helping us to, to just get those groanings out. He has a will. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 through 10, and He's talking about the gifts now. And He gives to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and same Spirit who appropriates to each one individually as he wills. This verse says basically that the Holy Spirit decides who gets what gift. He discerns what person needs what gift to operate in, who has the right personality to operate in that gift, it is up to the will of the Holy Spirit, and He decides who gets what gift. In Acts also, Paul and Silas are, are on a missionary trip, and the Holy Spirit forbids them to go to Asia at one point. He exercises His will and tells Paul and Silas not to go to Asia. And so the, He has a will. He has a mind. He has a will. And here's the, 
Here's the one that just flips me out. That the Holy Spirit has emotions. Romans 5, 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I love that this generous pouring of God's love through the Holy Spirit is so rich. It's so vital to us. I mean, the Holy Spirit has love for us. And God uses the Holy Spirit to deposit His love into us. He says He pours it into us. How generous is that? Romans 15.30 says, Paul is saying, I appeal to you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. By the love of the Spirit. Love drives us to community and helps us demonstrate the same generous kind of love for each other by praying for each other. This is what the, what the love of the Spirit does to us. It puts us into a community of believers so that we care for each other, so that we pray for each other, and that we demonstrate the same love of the Father by loving each other. I, I just, this is powerful stuff. In just the books, a book of Acts alone, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 59 times. Just in the book of Acts. 36 of those times, he is speaking. Actually speaking. And I'm thinking if the Holy Spirit is actually speaking, we probably should be listening. And since he expresses himself through, through emotion and through will and through his intellect, there is a lot that we can learn about him this way. And I think the thing that Jesus said, you know, it's, it's our, to our advantage to know the Holy Spirit. That word advantage means, obviously, for our benefit. The Greek actually means for our benefit. It's, a, it's a, just a, it's a different way of saying to our advantage, but for our benefit to know the Holy Spirit. And here is one of the benefits, the, one of the most powerful benefits, I think, that the Holy Spirit does for us. And it's found in Romans 8.16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. One of the greatest advantages of knowing the Holy Spirit is finding out who we are. Finding out the truth of who we are. That we are sons and daughters of the Most High. That is the greatest advantage imaginable. Because once you understand not only who the Holy Spirit is, and by knowing Him you discover who you are, how much freer are you because of that? How much freer am I because of that? So I think that's the great, one of the great advantages that the Holy Spirit, He testifies with our spirit. He reminds us, He teaches us, He instructs us. That word testify is to, to make a proclamation about who God is to our spirit. And when our spirit understands that, well, we're free. We're freer than what we have ever been before. See, that night groaning on the floor, somehow... The Spirit was testifying with my spirit, reminding my spirit of who God was. And freedom came out of that moment because of that. The Holy Spirit is really, is really awesome. We, we, we can't put them in the closet anymore. We, we've got to fully embrace that part of the Godhood. So the Spirit helps us know who we are. He cements our identity. He establishes us in the family. And he teaches us to relate to him in lots of ways. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See, because they all have a relationship with each other, 
and they're in perfect unity with each other, and this is what he's inviting us into, the same kind of unity, the same kind of relationship. And since he is the teacher, and, it, and in the scriptures we read before, that he will, he will uh, lead us into all truth, it says in verse 12. He will guide you to all truth. I love what he teaches us about the Father. He teaches us about the Father that God loved us so much that he sent his only son for us. John 3.16. And we've all memorized this. There's one of the perverse and how simple portrayal of the gospel, but you know, that he so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him will be saved. I mean, this is the essence of the gospel, but I love that the Holy Spirit teaches us about the nature of the Father, that the Father wants his sons and daughters to come home to him. That he's constantly telling us how good the Father is, reminding us when those times when we need reminder, when we're, we're having a, a huge, awful day, when we've lost someone, when we're, we're dealing with sickness and pain and sorrow, he reminds us about the goodness of who Father is. That's part of the truth that he teaches us. I love what he teaches us about the Son, that Jesus is the good shepherd who gave his life for me. That's in John 10. He even says that I am his friend in John 15. And he is unashamed to call me his brother, and that's in Hebrews 2. This is, I love the, what he teaches us about the Father, and I love what he teaches us about the Son. But this is, this is, is totally awesome. I love what he teaches us about himself. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. I love that God, that the Holy Spirit reminds us that we are God's home. Because God lives in us, we are his home base for his earthly ministry. Our bodies are the sacred place where the spirit of a holy God lives and moves through. We make this proclamation a lot in this, and those who are familiar with us. We make this proclamation a lot. And I think this kind of cements this whole thing. Those of us who are bent our knee to Jesus Christ, those of us who accept Jesus Christ as our Messiah and King and Lord, guess what? We are not dirty, rotten sinners. We are not. This verse proves it. A holy and righteous God lives inside of us. Light cannot coexist with darkness. Okay. We do sin. We do err. We do doubt. We do all those kinds of things. We sin, but we are not dirty, rotten sinners. Or else how could a holy God live inside of us? Okay. I... We'll never teach that here. I will never accept that in my own personal life because that verse and many other ones prove that point. Now, again, we do sin. We do make bad judgments. We do make bad decisions. And we have to repent. And we should repent. I repented last night. Like I said, there was a lot of repenting going on last night between me and the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, if a holy and righteous God lives inside of us, makes us his home, and desires to be there, wants to be there, loves being there, I will not accept the teaching that we are dirty, rotten sinners. We are sons and daughters of the Most High, and that's who we are. Okay? I will not, I'll never teach that. And if I do teach that, hit me with something hard.
Okay, please. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So in Ezekiel, way back in Ezekiel, God says this in 36:27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways. Way back in Ezekiel, God reminds us, if he's put his spirit inside of us, you're going to walk in my ways naturally, supernaturally, because you're my son and you're my daughter. Of course you're going to obey me. Of course you're going to love me. My spirit is inside of you testifying with your spirit, convincing you of the truth so that you see where my ways are. So you can discern where my ways are going so that you know my heart. See, God has made it quite possible for us not to be dirty, rotten sinners by the blood of Jesus Christ first and by imparting his spirit into us after that. And because we have his spirit inside of us, Romans 8, 5 says, those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mindset on what the spirit desires. Again, if the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, then we are fully available to what the Holy Spirit desires. And it's natural for a son and daughter to walk after the desires of their father's heart. The Holy Spirit is there to remind us what those spirits are. And wow, it's supposed to be done. Because of this, we have the power to be free. Second Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord there is what? Freedom. Let me say that again. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... Really? You didn't sound convinced. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... Freedom. Now you sound convinced. Yeah. People who walk in sin are not free. They can be. So if the Spirit of God is living inside of us, can we start to believe the truth of who God says we are? Can we? Yeah, we can. Let's do that. Let's do that. Romans 8, 2. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to If I have been freed from the power of sin, I am no longer what? A dirty, rotten sinner. I am a son of the Most High God who needs His Messiah because, he, because I walk all over the place and not according to His ways at times. And I need the Holy Spirit to direct me, to guide me, to teach me, to instruct That's why it was to my advantage that the Holy Spirit come. To your advantage, the Holy Spirit come. The Holy Spirit teaches, frees us, and empowers us to think like God thinks, to desire what the heart of God desires, and to feel what God feels. That's to our advantage. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your words. We ask, Father, that you will take all of what was just said and that you will put it through the filter of the Holy Spirit. So that we can understand exactly what you're saying to us. Father, that you would discern for all of us your heart. Help us, under, help us understand. 
Help us to accept. Help us to believe. And help us to obey. We want to be free sons and daughters of, that you have called us to be. We want to walk in freedom. We want to walk in power. We want to understand the Holy Spirit the way that you would want us to understand you. Father, no longer do we want to treat you like only part of you is acceptable. We want all of you. And we want you to express yourself fully and freely through, through, our, through our own hearts and our lives. And, our, and so that there is powerful expressions of, of who you are to people around us. And they will be, their heads will snap in wonder. And they would want to know about this God that we serve, that we follow, that we love. So we ask that, Father, again, you would empty all of us and fill us with yourself. We thank you that you have poured your spirit into us. That you enable us to follow you because you have placed your spirit inside of us. Father, we want to believe the truth. And we want to give you all the glory in doing so. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.